Next week is Palm Sunday. We draw closer to that time that we celebrate and think about all that the Lord did. And uh, we've been going through the last week in the life of Christ. This Today we're in Luke Gospel, chapter number 23 for our text. We'll also be considering out of John, chapter number 18 and 19, and drawing from a couple of other passages as we consider the events leading up to the crucifixion of Christ. There are many things that make us who we are. We have life experiences, sometimes events. Poverty may have a role in that. Family certainly has a role. But much of what we are come, who we are, comes from people. People exert an influence over us by teaching us and motivating us, especially as children. When I think back to my mother, uh, she had a great deal of influence over me, guiding me, telling me things like can't, never could, helped me to become who I am. She formed my personality. Other people had influence over me. Ange Pilo was someone who got me interested in music, helped me to push hard and practice, practice, practice. Took me places so I could have a wider experience in music. When it comes to preaching, no one had more influence over me than an author named Alexander White. And his sermons were so inspiring and always left me wanting more. Of course, there was my Uncle Ed, his motivating comments like, hey, a little faster if you can stand it, uh, were the things that made me dig deeper and try harder in my life. All those people were people I wanted to imitate, and they were people I wanted to please. Uh, But of all the people I have known, no one has had a greater influence over me than Jesus Christ. No one so life-changing and so all-consuming and so instructive as Jesus. His preaching and his teaching and his actions and his power and his wisdom are all very powerful things to me and formed me in my life. The four gospels are full of stories of people who had encounters with Jesus that completely changed their life. From Zacchaeus to Mary Magdalene, from Peter to blind Bartimaeus, from Lazarus to his own mother Mary, these people were never the same after they encountered Jesus. The last week of Jesus' life was full of those encounters. Now today we're going to consider one of those encounters... And we have been working our way through the last week before Jesus was crucified. Palm Sunday, Monday, when he cleansed the temple. Tuesday, the temple discussions. Then Thursday, the Last Supper. And now we come to Friday, very early in the morning. Jesus was arrested in the wee hours of the morning, taken to the house of Annas and Caiaphas, And there he was tried by the Sanhedrin and sentenced to death. But unable to execute him, they had to leave it to the Roman government. 
Rome took away the Jews' ability to use capital punishment, so the Jewish leaders had to turn Jesus over to the Roman governor and convince him to crucify Jesus. And that governor was a man named Pontius Pilate. Today, we will consider the trial of Jesus under Pontius Pilate, but more exactly, we will consider Pilate's encounter with Jesus Christ. The struggle of the soul that Pilate experienced when he was called on to be a judge over Jesus of Nazareth. (coughs) Caesar Tiberius, the Roman emperor, had appointed Pontius Pilate to be the governor over Judea and to protect Roman interests there. And of all the places that felt the power of Roman occupation, there was none so volatile and hard to govern as Judea. Rebellion and insurrection were commonplace all across Judea. And Pilate was quick to squash any of them with as much cruelty as was necessary. The Bible even tells that Pilate had some people executed right in the temple as they were offering sacrifices to God so that the blood of the people was mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. And so it was recorded by the historians of that time that the Jews hated Pontius Pilate with a burning passion. But the feeling was mutual. Pilate hated the Jews, especially the Jewish leaders in the temple. And so it was that Pilate made his home in Caesarea, a long way from Jerusalem, way up on the Mediterranean Sea, because he didn't want to be near the Jews, especially the Jews of Jerusalem. He only visited Jerusalem on special occasions like Passover week to keep the volatile Jews from rioting. And on Passover week, because Passover was to celebrate Jewish freedom, it was much more likely. So Pilate arrived in Jerusalem to squelch any celebration that would be against Roman rule. On his schedule that particular year, was a trial of a group of robbers and murderers that had been seized by the Roman soldiers. Pilate tried them that week and passed judgment on three of the men. The leader was a man named Barabbas, and two of his followers were sentenced to be crucified by Pilate on Friday of that week which would give a very public display of Roman power right exactly on Passover holiday. And so it was early Friday morning, the day Pilate had set to crucify Barabbas and his men. A group of Jewish leaders arrived at Pilate's hall with a prisoner. We begin reading in Luke chapter number 23. Verse number one. The whole multitude of them arose and led Jesus unto Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? 
And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. And said Pilate to the chief priest to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching through all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. Now, my friends, if there was anything that Pilate had a nose for, it was sniffing out rebellion against Rome. He had spies everywhere. He constantly had his finger on the pulse of the people. And without mercy, he searched out all insurgents and simply crushed all rebellion. And constantly reported back to Caesar each arrest and each conviction, whatever they were for. And that morning, they brought him someone who was quite famous. People everywhere were talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm sure it was the first time Pilate ever met Jesus face to face. But his reputation preceded him. On Sunday, Pilate himself very well might have watched Jesus enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey in the midst of that cheering crowd. The highest building in Jerusalem was the fortress Antonia, built behind the temple where the Romans could watch over everyone who entered the city. And I'm sure Pilate said, this Jesus is different. He's different from all the rebels and insurgents that I have arrested. He's not like them. They are bitter, they are angry, they are full of fight and love controversy. But not so with this Jesus of Nazareth. He's different. Not angry. Not violent. Not bitter. His profile doesn't fit the profile of the troublemakers that I'm after. So Pilate privately questions Jesus and then returns to the crowd and says, I find no fault in this man. He poses no threat to Rome or anybody else. As a matter of fact, in Matthew's gospel, we are told this, that Pilate knew that for envy they had delivered up Jesus. Or Pilate could see right away that the Jewish leaders were jealous of Jesus' popularity. And he was exactly right. So Pilate is very aware that the Jews are what they're trying to do. The Jews want Pilate to do their dirty work and execute Jesus. But he doesn't want to bend to their will. After all, he hates them all. But another option comes up. Jesus is from Galilee. And Herod is the king of Galilee. So Pilate sends Jesus to Herod. So Herod can decide the case. Herod is flattered. But Herod is exactly what Jesus once called him. Herod said, Jesus said that Herod was an old fox. That means he's political. And he's sneaky. And he's very wily. And he, Herod doesn't know what to do with Jesus, so he sends him back to Pilate, but he has a clever idea. 
Luke 23 and verse number 11. And Herod with his men of war set Jesus at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before there was enmity between themselves. Herod says, hey, look, there's no need to get all in a huff. Why, we can make fun of Jesus. And so uh, I've got this very fancy robe that people wear when they're running for office. And I'll send back Jesus to Pilate with that very fancy candidate's robe on and say, hey, Pilate, look who's running for office. Pilate sort of likes the joke. And he can say to the Jews, hey, look, here's your Jewish king. Do you want me, Pilate, to kill your king? He likes the joke and uses it against the Jews to mock them. Now listen, my friends. The first thing you will see when you encounter Jesus is that he is very different. You can search all the world's religions. Mohammed and Buddha and Confucius and the Hindus. Search them all. There is no one out there like Jesus. And that should get your attention. Jesus did what nobody else could do. He is different. He's original. There's no one like him. And if you were willing to pursue that, you might come to the same conclusion as Pilate. That Jesus is not a threatening person. He's easy and gentle and very approachable. Now, if you decide, I don't want to pursue Jesus, then you can do like these shallow people did here, people like Herod, they make fun of Jesus. All this Jesus stuff, just a big joke. Who needs it? And my friends, that is a fairly common response to Jesus and his claims. But for Pilate, the problem didn't go away. So Jesus comes back from Herod, and Pilate must now sit in judgment on this case. Now I'm turning over to John chapter 18. Begin reading at verse number 33. John chapter 18, verse number 33. Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself? Or did others tell it thee of me? Jesus will always come to that point sooner or later with everybody that he encounters. Are you asking this because it's just something you heard? Or is it something you really want to know yourself? Are you searching for the truth? Are you hungry to know who I am? 
Jesus always wants to know that. Are you searching for truth? Are you hungry? Why? Because he promises, come to me if you're hungry, and I will feed you until you want no more. And come to me if you're thirsty, and I will see to it that you never thirst again. So Jesus asked Pilate, are you searching? Are you serious? Is this for yourself? Verse 35. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Pilate said, I'm not Jewish. I don't understand all your Jewish ways. Your leaders turned you over to me. So what did you do? Now notice Pilate says, I don't understand your Jewish ways. Jesus will always respond if you say, I'm sorry, I just don't understand. Jesus always responds to that. Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus clearly tells Pilate, I'm not from this world. I didn't come to fight. Pilate knew that was true. And then Jesus gives Pilate exactly what he asked for. I came to this world to reveal all that is true. And people who want truth Hear everything I say. So Pilate, there you go. You're supposed to be a judge. And it's a judge's job to find out the truth. And Jesus said to Pilate, I offer you truth. Verse 38. And Pilate said unto him, what is truth? When he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find in him no fault at all. Pilate was offered truth. He's so politically minded that like many politicians, he thinks truth is just whatever is convenient at the moment. Now my friends, with Jesus, there is right and there is wrong. And there is truth. And there's no gray spaces in between. If you want truth, Jesus has it. But Pilate is still playing politics, and he has a new idea, verse 39. You have a custom, if I should release to you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And they cried all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. That plan certainly backfired. Jewish leaders played better politics than Pilate. Barabbas, who was going to be crucified that morning, was to be Pilate's next victim. And the leaders cried out for Barabbas' freedom. 
Pilate would try another move to free Jesus. So he has Jesus whipped. Now, not a few lashes, but a vicious beating with a cat of nine tails. And he decides to show Jesus to them as a severely punished Jewish king. Verse number 5 of chapter number 19. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Jesus stands in front of the crowd, crown of thorns, a royal robe, and Pilate says, Look at him. Look at him. And that is where the encounter with Jesus will be most intense. My friends, you look at him. There's blood running down his face from the crown of thorns. Pieces of flesh hanging from his back, torn by the lash. His face is swollen and bruised. Look at him. Look at him. What do you see? Look closely. He suffers. For what? He's done nothing wrong. Does he protest? No. Not a word. Does he complain? No. Not a word. Not a word. Look more closely. Have you no pity? Hated by his own people. And what had he done? He'd healed their sick. Fed their hungry. Even raised their dead. And now Pilate says, Behold a man. Yes, indeed, Pilate. Let's look at him. Now listen to what the crowd said. Verse 6. When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take you him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Suddenly Pilate is afraid. Jesus already told him, I came into this world to tell the truth. And now Pilate asks him this question. Where did you come from? And suddenly, there's a change in Pilate's behavior because something happened right at the last minute. Matthew tells us what it is. When Pilate was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I had suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. 
A severe warning comes to Pilate from his wife. These Roman governors almost never took their wives with them. But Pilate's wife was by his side. And when the temple leaders hated Pilate, and when the wealthy Jews hated Pilate, and when the common people hated Pilate, there by his side was his own wife who would defend him against all of that hatred. His one loyal subject. And she sends a warning, have nothing to do with that just man. Why? Because I dreamed a dream and I was afraid. I dreamed things that terrified me, that filled me with a sense of foreboding. Whatever you do, don't act against him. He is a just man. Well, my friends, I do not know what Pilate's wife dreamed. I wish I did. Did she dream he came as the judge of all the earth? And the people of the earth prayed that the mountains would fall on them and hide him from the face who comes with he who comes with vengeance. Coming to express the wrath of Almighty God. I wish I knew. Wish I knew what she dreamed. Did she dream that she saw him sitting on a white horse with a name across his armor, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and his eyes like flickering flames of fire? I don't know what she dreamed, but her message brought an abrupt change into Pilate. Pilate was Roman. The Roman religion was what we call heathenism. That's worship any old thing. And whenever religion is not based on truth, the outcome of it is superstition as the normal response. Pilate was superstitious like all the Romans. Afraid of the sighting of an owl. It's a bad omen. And very afraid of dreams because dreams were very bad omens. And suddenly the political fears of Pilate were pushed aside. And now he goes into Jesus and said, Where did you come from? Afraid. Jesus warned him, I come to tell the truth. And now his wife warns him, do not sit in judgment over this man. Verse 9. Went again to the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. And said Pilate unto him, speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? And Jesus answered, thou could have no power at all against me except to forgive thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me over to thee hath the greater sin. Pilate says to Jesus, I have power. And Jesus said, no you don't. And with his 
soul in turmoil and his heart all full of fear, he looked into the eyes of Jesus. He looked at Jesus, the prisoner at the bar. He looked at Jesus who calmly said to Pilate, you have no power unless it's given to you from heaven. He looked into the deep searching eyes of Jesus and what an encounter that was. What a moment in time. What a crisis in a man's soul. Oh my friends, there is a moment of time when we must decide, when we must choose, what will you do with Jesus? There comes a time when it is clear you can still decide you still have a choice he stands before you with those all searching eyes saying go ahead you choose you decide Pilate full of fear will try to release him verse 12 and from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, sat down on the judgment seat of the place that is called the pavement, which is in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was in the preparation of the Passover, about the sixth hour, he said to the Jews, Behold your king. Pilate, to show his protest, it says, took a bowl of water and stood in front of everybody. And he washed his hands before that howling mob. And he said to them, I am innocent of the blood of this just man. And he said, you see to it. Crowd cried out those chilling words. His blood be on us and on our children. Now you see, my friends, when Pilate said, I'm innocent, and you see to that, what he meant was, don't you dare turn me into Caesar. Don't you tell on me. Verse 16. Then he delivered him therefore to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And that was the encounter of Pontius Pilate with Jesus of Nazareth. Now if you read your Bible, you'll see that Jesus said over and over and over again, He that saves his life shall lose it. Pilate tried to save his own life. He tried to preserve his own power. To hang on to his own position. He tried to save his seat as the Roman governor. But Jesus said he that saves his life tries to save his own faith and his own plan will lose it. What happened is that the Jews lied. 
They told Caesar. Pilate was recalled. But most of all, he lost his life. They say Pilate died in an asylum back in Rome. But that's not really where he died. He died today. He rejected Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus and he failed to heed the warnings. He died inside of himself. And he stands in history as the man who crucified the Son of God. There's an old song. It says, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall. Friendless. Forsaken. Betrayed by all. Hark, now what meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to him if you will. Or you can be faithful. Through good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Next week, the culmination of the powers of evil against Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is crucified. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, help us. As we come close to these things, to look in our own hearts, that we might have an encounter with you that's full of grace and power and love, that we might open our hearts to the truth, take you into our lives. Search us. Look inside of us. May we know who you are. Be clear where you came from. Know that you come to tell us truth. We thank you that you took all that for us. And we bow before you with a grateful heart for what you did. Bless us as we continue these thoughts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to turn in your hymn book, if you will, to hymn number... 226 standing as we sing if you will hymn number 226 have thine own way Lord have thine own way 226 have thine own way Lord I'll join you.
between you and us to have your hand in our life. May we be willing not to turn and walk away, take the hardness of our hearts out of us, turn our heart from a stone into that soft flesh. We just pray that you would help us to see you and to be willing to go and to live for you. Help use us in such a way that we are ready to give ourselves for all things. We ask that our hearts would be pure before you and that you would continually work in your spirit in us. We thank you for patience that you have with us and the kindness and the opportunity that you've shown to us again and again in our lives. Change us and help us not to walk away from this place without that thing that you want us to go and do. Turn our hearts here, we pray, towards you. Protect us and bring us back to this place and help us to long for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.